0: All right, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 23 this morning, Luke chapter 23. I'm trying to stop saying if you have your Bibles, of course you have your Bibles, amen? We're a Bible preaching, teaching church, and uh, a lot of times, most of the time I go verse by verse, and this morning I'll just probably cover about two verses. Well, i tell you the dangerous thing about not having the screen on the back, I think we're going to try to do the, to the laptop to the wall, uh, is... Um, for the outline for you, is that there's no clock on the back wall uh, when the when the projector's working. There's he puts a clock on the right hand side. So um, I got all the time in the world. Amen. I can preach. I can preach that Jesus comes. Amen. And somebody's gonna lend me their watch. One time I said that, and a guy come running up the pulpit and put a watch on the pulpit. Amen. And I didn't look at it. But anyway, um, turn to Luke chapter 23. Last week we was in uh, Mark chapter 15. And we saw the uh, crowds around the cross, the callous, the careless, the cruel. And how cruel it was that they beat him and sped upon him. They literally took crowns of thorns four inches long and, and uh, they took a reed and they drove them into his head. Um, uh, they mocked him. They wagged their heads. They put a purple robe on him. And when it dried, they ripped it off. You ever ripped off a Band-Aid after it dried? You know the agony of that. They scourged him. Uh, They beat him with a cat of nine tails. 351 furrows went across his back. And some uh, stray lashes sometimes would take out an eye or go down to the inner organ after the 39th lash and kill a person on the whipping post. He went through that physical pain. But I want to tell you something. Your sins weighed much more than all the physical pain. He suffered spiritual pain. And I want to tell you this, friend, if you're trusting in anything besides the finished work of the cross of Calvary, then why did he have to go through that for you? Folks, the death, burial, and resurrection is the only way to be saved. And it's not a a, a religion. It's a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And when I see this uh, first saying on the cross, and so I'd like to I'd like to move on to, at the cross, not only do you see the cruel and the callous, but i like to see uh, tonight the converted. We'll talk about the thief that got saved and try to explain salvation uh, very clearly. But um, I'd like to major on, for the next few weeks, Christ's reaction to the crowd and Christ's reaction. Uh, and if there was nobody around the cross except Jesus on the cross, it was enough. Amen. He didn't need a fanfare. And there was only a few ladies and a and one disciple that went all the way to the cross. And that was John the Beloved. And I'll say this, friend. You need to come to the cross this morning. And you need to realize the heart of God is portrayed through the sayings on the cross. When you hear what he said, when you hear what he said on the cross in reaction to all that he's done, and the first saying we come to verse 33 and 34. It's good to see the twins with us, Peter. Amen. Praise God. And James will be one year old, I think, next week. So uh, thank the Lord for that. I pray for a lot of people to stay awake, but I pray for babies to stay asleep. <laughs> Amen. And so does the parents. Hallelujah. Jessica, glad you're doing good. Amen. It's good to have people coming back to the house of God. But I want you to stand all the Word of God. We're going to Luke 23, and I'm going to read verse 23 and or excuse me, 33 and 34, amen, and uh, maybe it's on the wall, maybe it's not, but I'm going to preach from the Bible, I'm not going to preach off the wall, amen, thank God, look at verse 32, it says, and there were two other malefactors led with him to be put to death, and when they were come to a place which is called Calvary, remember on the way to Calvary they took the casual uh, Simon, and he was out, he came out of the crowd, and and carried the cross. That's what we ought to do. It says, when he came to a place called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and one on the left hand. And here's the first saying, which is not a saying at all. It's a prayer. The first, fourth, and seventh uh, things he said on the cross were a prayer. And look at this. It says, then said Jesus, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment, and they cast lots. And the people stood beholding, I just want to show you the setting, the crowd around the cross, and the rulers also with them derived him, saying, he saved others, let him save himself, if he be Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And A superscription also was written over him in the letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. We'll take up verse 39 through 49 tonight. Hope you'll be back with us at 6 o'clock sharp. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for Calvary. Thank you, God, for the Lamb of God. Thank you, dear Jesus, that... uh, you prayed for us, and your prayer was answered several years back when I was in the sixth grade. Lord, I got, I got in on the forgiveness of God. And Lord, I know I wasn't a bank robber, and I wasn't a drug addict, and I know that I was not a real bad boy, but I was still a sinner. My daddy was a drunk an alcoholic, and burnt the house up, wrecked the cars, but God, help us. We all need to get saved, whether a little boy or or a grown man, Lord, we thank you that you forgave us. Lord, you forgave us of the sinful nature that we inherited from Adam. All of sin and come short of the glory of God. And God, you forgive us for our indifference and most important of all, Lord, you forgive us for the one sin that can send us to hell and that's the sin of unbelief. Lord, you forgave us for that when we put our faith and trust in you. And so, Lord... Thank you for your forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen. I see this great prayer. I, I notice at Calvary when we see man at his worst and God is his best. We see the Lamb of God that was slain and, and where the Son of God gave up his life for you and me. At Calvary where we see the awful depths of human sin, I mean the terrible things that we're doing to our Christ spitting in his face, ripping his beard out, mocking him, wagging their heads, uh, chanting, if you saved others, why don't you save yourself? And friend, this religious crowd was screaming, crucify him, crucify him. Lord knows a lot of us would have tried to get even. We'd have prayed, Lord, judge them, condemn them, punish them. I see our Father, our Jesus, praying, Our Father, Father, forgive them. And, folks, I want you to know that Calvary is where every man must come to find forgiveness. Because he who knew no sin became sin for you, that you might be made the righteousness of God in him. He took your place. And, folks, I want you to know that God Himself, born in a stable, 33 years, walked this earth, brought up in Nazareth, was baptized around the age of 30. He gave, uh, went about doing good. Not a, a gal was found in his mouth, but the wicked people of that day, including the religious crowd, crucified him on the cross. And as he lifts up his eyes towards heaven, I see... That he's praying. I want you to see, first of all, the persistency of his petition. The persistency of his petition. Thank God. uh, The Bible says, Then said Jesus. Uh, That tense in the Greek is uh, uh, a tense that uh, is Greek uh, imperfect tense. And that means he kept on saying. In other words, he kept on praying. And so, folks, Jesus prayed. From the cross, and he didn't pray, and he didn't cry out in pity. He didn't cry out uh, to curse his crucifiers. He didn't pray for release. That's what most of us would be praying for. Lord, spare us. You know, spare us. We think we go through a lot of things, amen. But I want to tell you something, folks Jesus took your hell for you. I want you to realize that this morning. He took your place. He paid your debt. And he could have been praying for release, but he knew that he must die for your sins. And the Bible says in Isaiah 743 years before the fact, he set his face like a flint towards Calvary. He knew what he had to do. He knew it was the will of God for uh, for him to take uh, our place. And folks say, if that's not love, I don't know what is love. He didn't pray for himself. He prayed for his enemy. He prayed for those who condemned him. He prayed for those that jeered at him. He prayed for those that uh, nailed him to the cross. He prayed. I want you to realize he prayed. Who else but the Son of God could have ever prayed a prayer like that? He prayed. Folks, I want you to know Bible says, Father, forgive them. It's an inclination that he, that he kept on praying. When he arrived at Calvary, he was praying. When he looked around that crowd and that religious group railing and his own people forsaking him that he came to save, he prayed our Father. When the soldiers uh, crushed him to that cross and nailed those uh, Nails, thank you for that song, through his hands, he was praying. He kept on storming the throne of grace for you and for me and for those enemies and for those religious, religious crowd. And folks, I want you to know that um, he, his whole life was about prayer. And I want you to ask this question. If when someone hurts you, can you pray for them? Well, if you're like Christ, you ought to pray for them, not condemn them, not get even. What a wonderful example of forgiveness! And I appreciate that song. You know, uh, he no longer could take those hands and minister to the sick. He was nailed to the cross. His hands were nailed to the cross, but he prayed. He could not take his feet or walk errands of mercy and go from place to place and heal the sick and restore the blind's eyesight and and, uh, touch people that were hurting and those that were lost, but he prayed. He could no longer instruct his disciples. They'd all forsaken him except one, but he prayed. What was the matter of his prayer? It was, Father. And folks, that shows the faith. And folks, I want you to know that we ought to have the same kind of faith when we're hurting, when we're suffering. And, folks, he was wearing a crown of thorns, but he prayed and he believed that God was still on the throne. And he said, Our Father. A perfect example of how we ought to react when people hurt us perfect example of how we ought to react when we're suffering, when we're hurting. I don't know about you, but every one of y'all, and myself included, our prayer life should have increased in the last year and a half. Say amen. I'm going to tell you something, when when you're going through what this world's going through, it's for one reason, bring you to your knees, to bring you to your knees. And I wish to goodness our country would come to our, their knees and acknowledge God and acknowledge life and acknowledge the, the principles of the Bible and the word of God. I wish we'd come back to God. I wish they would uh, call some national prayer meetings. I wish we could not just have a day of prayer, but every day would be a prayer day of prayer, amen? And that the uh, president on down the line would honor God and pray every day, and that we'd pray for them. The first, fourth, and seventh utterances was praying. He was not angry. He was not vengeful. He was prayerful. Then I want to ask your question, or I want to come to this point: Is that um, to whom did he pray? And I want to tell you something, it was, a, it, was a, it was fulfillment of prophecy that he prayed. Look at Isaiah 53, verse 12. Isaiah 53, verse 12. We don't trust computers around here, we trust the word of God, say so amen. It's not going to shake us up. matter of fact, sing from the books, good, praise God. Uh, Isaiah chapter 53. And I want you to look at verse 12. The Bible says this, if you ever want to lead somebody to the Lord that's a Jew or a religionist, go to Isaiah 53. In verse 12, the Bible says, Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great, and will divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with transgressors. And he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Folks, 712 years before the fact, Isaiah saw him praying. He didn't see him uh, cursing his enemy, not not judging his enemy or condemning his enemy. He saw him praying for the transgressors. Isn't that wonderful that we have prophecy of this prayer meeting? But I want to ask you a question this morning. To whom was Jesus praying? Um, for whom, excuse me. I'll tell you who he was praying for. He was praying for the soldiers. and One of them got saved, I believe. He's praying for the religious crowd. He was praying for the mob that was despitefully mocking him. He didn't pray, Lord, help me. That's what most of us have been doing. We've been praying, oh, Lord, help me. But he said, Lord, help them. Folks, I see the loving heart of God in this prayer. Look at it. And when he had come to the place called Calvary, they crucified him, the malefactors on the right hand, on the left, and then said, Jesus, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. I want you to notice in verse 34, it says, Then. The word then is important. Jesus is praying when man was at his worst when the wicked was crucifying him, the Lord of glory on the cross. When the devil was dancing and and probably celebrating from hell that they'd put him on the cross and they were gonna end his life. But I wanna say, friend, Friday was a dark day, but Sundays are coming. Amen? The resurrections are coming. And, and this then is when he's praying with unspeakable shame He's naked before me, excruciating pain, despised, rejected, hated. But then he prays. He prayed for those who had brought him to this place of horrible pain and horrible judgment. Oh, the great loving heart of God is seen in these one these words, Father. Forgive them. When somebody hurts you, again, let me ask the question, can you pray for them? If you're going to be like Jesus, you need to learn to pray for those that hurt you. Um, In this prayer, Jesus not only is uh, uh, fulfillment of prophecy, but he's practicing what he preaches. I, I love it when people practice what they preach. Over these 43 years, I've tried to practice what I preach. Miss Connie and I will be married 47 years Tuesday. I think we're going to go to the crystal. No, not really. Uh, and, uh, boy, I appreciate that she lives. She's not only a pastor's wife, she lives for, to love you and to encourage me. And Boy, I'll tell you what, I'd have never made it 43 years without a good wife an encouraging wife, and a praying wife. But you know, Jesus practiced what he preached. I want you to turn to Luke chapter 6 and verse 28 through 30. Luke chapter 6. You know it, It's the Sermon on the Mount. Now he's teaching on a sunny hillside, probably green grass. I mean, pl- probably a pleasant day because he control. he's the master of the wind. Amen. He controlled it that day. And... Uh, But on this dark day of Calvary, he's still practicing what he preaches. Aren't you glad we have a God that's consistent with his word and a Jesus that loves you no matter what? Thank God. Luke chapter 6, called the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Let's start with um, verse 28. You're doing good, Brother Cody or Brother Joel or or the Holy Spirit's doing it good anyway. Anyway, look at this. Luke chapter 6. And I want you to look at verse 28. The Bible says, bless them that curse you. He's preaching now. He's teaching now. Bless them that curse you. Pray for them that despitefully use you. And unto him that smiteth thee on the one cheek, offer also the other. Him that taketh away the cloak, forbid not to take uh, take thy coat also. Give to every man that ashes. Of thee and of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. And as you would that men would do to you, do ye also to them. likewise. That's a good. That's a good way to live in it. Let me repeat that. For if you love them, which excuse me, and as you would that men should do to you, do ye also to them. Likewise. And if you love them which love you, what think have ye? Uh, for sinners also love those that love them. But if you do good to them which do good to you and think have ye the sinners also even the same. and if you lend to them of whom ye hope to receive, what think ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again with interest. But love ye you your enemies. He's teaching now, he's preaching now. He said, love your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great and you shall be children of the highest for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the wicked. Be ye therefore merciful as your father also is merciful. Judge not. Ye shall not be judged. Contem- not, condemn not, and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. Give, and it shall be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together. Running over shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet, we're all, it shall be measured to you again. Notice that phrase in verse 37. Forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. Aren't you glad that Jesus practiced what he preached? He's on the cross. And he prays, Lord, don't judge them. Don't strike them dead. Don't stop this pain. Don't stop this agony. And don't stop my death. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. And so he preached on a sunny, beautiful side of a hill, probably grassy plains with people listening to him as he sat there and taught them the Sermon on the Mount. But he practiced it on a dark hill called Calvary. I'm telling you something, we got a God that is consistent. We got a God that is faithful. Folks, we all need to come to Calvary when it comes to being hurt. We need to hear the words, Father, forgive them. When they know what they do. I want you to know that probably the greatest thing that we can learn this morning is about our greatest need, Brother Jeremy, and that's forgiveness. Your greatest need is you need Jesus. You need Jesus for forgiveness. And you need Jesus to be able to forgive and live a life that's not succumbed by bitterness and depression. We need health, and I think we ought to pray for that. But there's something more important in your health. It's your spiritual wealth. You need money, but I want to tell you something, there's more important things than money. What you need is things that money cannot buy, love, joy, peace, purpose, and power to forgive and be like Jesus. And so the barrier that stands between all of us and God is sin, sin. And, folks, what we need to get that avenue open is forgiveness. If you've never been born again and you don't know for sure that you're saved, I'm going to tell you something, friend. You're alienated from God. You're so distant, you don't even realize it. And folks, you're dead in your sins and trespasses, but you can be made whole. You can be forgiven. And praise God, you can be like Christ on this earth and one day be with him because of the prayer, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You ought to be an answer to that prayer this morning. You've been forgiven. Have you been justified? Just if I'd never sinned? That's what the word means. Isn't it great to be? have your sins cast in the east and the west? A lot of people say, well, I'd like to tell you what I did before I saved. I'm really not interested. I'm just glad you're saved. I don't think we ought to dig that, uh, dig in that pit and go fishing in that well because he cast it far as the east is from the west. He remembers it no more. He's not a forgetful God. He just treats you as if you never did it. Pardon the bad English. He treats you as you always been righteous. And folks, uh, there is a consequence of sin. David committed a murder and adultery and lost four children and Um, lost his joy, and there is a consequence. Lost his testimony, suffered brokenness. Psalms 51, what a confession of of sin. But praise God, I'm going to tell you something, friend. He he got forgiveness. He wrote most of the Psalms. Thank God he started his life over. But I want to close this morning uh, with this this, uh, thought, the peril of the prayer. The last part of this, verse 34, look at it. Verse 34, uh, excuse me, Luke chapter 23. It says, Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. For they know not what they do. Now, folks, we need to realize that they were not ignorant of what they were doing. They weren't in a trance and they weren't, um, what do you call that, mentally insane or Temporarily insanity, that's what everybody blames when they do something crazy or sinful. Well, I was just temporarily insane. But I want to tell you something, friend. They were ignorant of the normity of their crime. They were ignorant of crucifying the Lord of glory. They didn't know who they were crucifying. They should have known prophecy, the perfect life. They should have known Never had a man spoken like Jesus. They should have heard. Even God said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. What a testimony. The Bible says in John 1.10, he came into his own and his own received him not. What a tragedy. And I won't tell you what the greatest tragedy is. Rejecting his forgiveness. That's the greatest tragedy. To realize the father of all sins is unbelief. It's the only sin that'll send you to hell is if you never put your trust and faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that sin breeds all kinds of sins. You reject Christ, you'll go to hell and burn forever but it will not be because forgiveness is not available. He said on the cross, and he's saying it to you this morning, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I think this prayer should encourage us this morning. God, encourage us to pray for wicked sinners. I've heard some stories in the last couple of days. It's turned my stomach About people that could have been raised in this church, but weren't. Where their life is now, folks, I tell you, it's sad. What sin will do to you? It'll heap upon you great grievance and great pain and great agony and great loneliness. The wage of sin is death, but I'm going to tell you something, it's more than that. It's a desperate life. It's a lack of prayer. You cannot be forgiving and loving because you're dead in your sins and trespasses. Folks, Christ can pray for these murders. We can pray for a wicked sinner. and We can pray and not lose hope. And keep on praying. Father, forgive them. I want you to look to the cross in closing this morning i want to ask one more question. Was Jesus' prayer ever answered? I can raise my hand and say I was sitting on the fifth row back. It was answered in my life. As I said, I didn't rob banks, and I sure didn't talk back to Mama, Brother Randy. I knew better. She had a hickory switch, and she didn't have a hickory switch. She had the back of her hand, praise God. But I'm going to tell you, I didn't talk back to Mama. I was a pretty good boy. I did a paper route. When I was 11, 12 years old, I learned to work. That's what a lot of people need to do. They need to learn to work. We preach on that for about 10 minutes. No, not really. And she made me work. And I often thought, man, I'm in a Gestapo here. I'm in prison. My mother wants me to work at the age of 12, my word. And we, I needed to work. I needed to help Mama out. because Daddy'd lose the check and lose money from drinking. And uh, I, I was glad... To help her out, but I didn't like the work part that much. But I want to tell you something, friend. God answered that prayer in my life. And God answered my prayer in my daddy's life when he got saved that night. I know y'all don't want to hear it again, but I was preaching and he walked the aisle. Sixty-three years of age, an alcoholic. And his only regret on his deathbed was this. He said, Wayne, bueno, I want to apologize. I hadn't said I loved you enough and I regret one thing and I want you to tell people this and he didn't know I was going to be a pastor I was a youth pastor then no I was was in the storefront he didn't know I was a pastor he said I want you to know and tell them that I only lived seven years and I regret it I should have got saved earlier right when I came out of the war all messed up all nervous and killing people turn to the bottle instead of turn to God and I'm going to apologize I said you don't have to apologize to me Daddy. you apologize to God for your your life that did not honor God and your life that was lived for self and you know something dad father forgave you because I've got his word here father forgive them well they don't know what they do. aren't you glad this morning you're forgiven And folks, he'll answer that prayer in your life if you'll just pray the same prayer, Lord, Lord, forgive them, but forgive me. And You can't ever forgive someone else until you receive that forgiveness. But was his prayer ever answered? I want you to turn to Acts chapter two in closing. I don't know what time it is, but it's it's time to preach, (laughs) amen. Somebody said, no, it's time to eat. I heard my stomach rumble twice, amen. Well, get it under control. We're gonna preach, but look at this. Acts chapter 2, and look at verse 21. I know this is a sad sermon, but at the same time, it's a happy sermon because praise God, Sundays are coming. Amen. Up from the grave he arose. and I know a lot of you are tired and sleepy and maybe some of you just got over something. But I'll tell you something, don't get over getting saved and forgiven. You need to look back to sometime in your life where you receive the forgiveness of God. Didn't gradually happen. I mean, it's a miracle when you get saved. Amen. You ought to know the place and the time at least, even if you don't know the date. But I see in Acts chapter 2, Peter's a preaching. That's a miracle right there. The last time we see him, he's denying and cussing that he even knew God. And then he prays God. He's in the prayer room and he gets filled with the Spirit of God. And folks, he turns from a coward to a courageous preacher. That's what the Lord can do for you. And I want to tell you this, friend, he preached, and he preached something special. Look at verse 21. I'll just I'll just conclude it. He said, and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. (laughs) Amen. I like that, don't you? I love to see people get saved. And I believe you ought to have a time in your life where you call upon the Lord as an act of faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. It can be today. It can be this moment. It can be at this altar. Be in your home. But look at verse 22. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. He's about to rear back and let her rip. I like this. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by the miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves also know. See, they should have known. Look at verse 23 now. This is getting good. Him being delivered by the determined counsel and foreknowledge of God. See, no man put him on the cross. God put him on the cross. Amen. Look at this. Ye have taken by wicked hands, have crucified and slain. Thank God, Peter, full of the Holy Ghost. He's preaching the cross. And he's preaching they're wicked, they're sinners. Thank God. You'll go on uh, down to uh, verse 24. It says, whom God has raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. And so not only did Peter preach on redemption, Peter preached on the resurrection. Very simple message, isn't it? But I want you to know, friend, In verse 32, he said this, this Jesus has God raised up whereof we are all witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted and having received the Father, the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth this, that ye now see and hear. He said, you're not ignorant anymore. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. But look at verse 34, for David is not ascended unto heaven But he saith himself, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou on my right hand until I make thy foes thy footstool. Look at verse 36, this is good preaching now. He said this, therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified both Lord and Folks, did they receive that message? I can imagine some of them were screaming in their soul, I yelled at him at his death. I sped on him at his death. Is there any hope for an old sinner like me? Verse 37 and 38, I love it. It says, now when they had heard this, they were pricked in their hearts. It's conviction. And said in Peter to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, everyone, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, for the promise is not yet unto you and your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God has called. And With many other words did he testify. He was closing. And he said this, and he exhorted, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. That's a good thing to say today. Save yourself, but you can't save yourself. Only Christ can save you. Then they that gladly received the word were baptized the same day, and there was added unto them about 3,000 souls. Was his prayer answered? I guarantee it was. 3,000 people were saved in one service. Folks, the Bible says in Acts chapter 6, priests were saved. A multitude of priests were saved. And then to top it all off, I'll tell you, the prayer was answered because he turned to the right side and said, hey, today will you be with me in paradise? An old sinner that I'll preach on tonight that God still sets up amazing situations for you to get saved. Old sinner just happened to be dying next to Jesus. I like that song, heard it yesterday. I'm gonna try to sing it next time my appointed time to sing brother Randy stand by me when I'm weak and dying Lord stand by me when I cross that chilly Jordan stand by me well I'm going to tell you something friend Jesus was only standing by this old thief he was dying for him and thank God when he cried out Father forgive them for they know not what they do he stopped his railing he stopped his deriding and praise God, he started getting under conviction and he said, Lord, remember me when thou comest in thy kingdom. Thank God I see the resurrection in that statement. I see the redemption in that statement. I'll get to it tonight. Don't, don't worry, don't, don't, don't worry. I'll get it to it tonight. Thank God I see Jesus saving a soul And so, folks, what's the cross all about that you might be forgiven? What's the cross all about? Not just a thief will get saved. Not just three thousand religiousness getting saved. That you might get saved. And then after you get saved, praise God from whom all blessings flow. You be forgiving. You be kind. You be loving. You take the message of forgiveness, the death, burial, and resurrection, to old sinners, and young sinners, innocent little moral sinners, and ungodly wicked sinners, and say there's forgiveness in the Lamb. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the message. I pray it's been a message. I pray it's been a message from heaven. Lord, we thank you that our greatest need is forgiveness. Our greatest need is you. And our greatest need is to be forgiving and be like you. And so, Lord, deliver us from our selfishness, deliver us from our vain glory, and deliver us from living for ourselves. And help us to be like you, forgiving, forgiving. Father, thank you for praying for me on the cross of Calvary but not just praying for me, but paying for me. The sin debt that I could never pay. And Thank you, dear Lord, that you receded all that three days later when up from the grave you arose. Now, Lord, I am free. (laughs) I'm going to paradise. I'm going to heaven. And I'm free from the bondage of bitterness. I'm free from the bondage of selfishness. And I'm free to be your vessel offer your forgiveness to a lost and dying soul I thank you for praying Father forgive them for they know not what they do with every head bowed every eye closed I want to ask you a very simple question has there been a time in your life where you've trusted in the death, burial and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and I mean you were forgiven Your sins were erased. The blood came down off uh, off that uh, hill called Calvary and erased your sins and justified you. You know that that took place, and you know without a doubt if you died today that you'd go to heaven. And You're so glad you're saved. Would you slip your hand up as a happy testimony of that, as a testimony? Nobody's looking now. Nobody's looking. If you can't raise it with 100% assurance, don't raise it, because God knows your heart. I many glad you're saved, say amen. Don't get over it. Thank God you're forgiven. And he's the only one that can forgive you. Several could not raise your hand. Now I'm not going to put you on the spot. I'm not going to embarrass you. We don't do that stuff around here. But we sure want to love you. And we sure want to pray for you. And you'd say, preacher, I'm just not sure. If there's anything you ever should be 100% sure of, you ought to be sure that when you take your last breath, as Brother Alex talked so wonderfully this morning, that the next breath is in His presence. You'd say, Preacher, I'm just not sure that I'm saved. I'm not sure I'm forgiven. I'm still carrying that sin debt, that guilt. And I don't want to do that anymore. and I just want to trust the Lord as my Savior, but I want you to pray for me. And you close in prayer. Would you slip your hand up high for prayer and then back down anyone? You slip it up then back down. Nobody's going to come to you. Nobody's going to embarrass you. I want to do the most I can do for you. I want to pray for you. God bless you, sir. I see that hand. Anybody else? I want to pray for you. Hey, It's not an admit of of weakness. This is a mi- a, mi- a mission of good sense, man. It's it's wise to get saved. It's 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 a it's the greatest life you could ever live. I recommend it highly. It's a life of freedom and joy and peace. It's a life one day with the end. Ends quicker than you think in heaven. So it's a wonderful life. Anybody else? One's raised their hand. How about you? Anyone else? Now, let me close the invitation by saying this as you're praying for this one that's raised their hand. How many know somebody you need to forgive? How many have how been hurt by somebody? I mean, you've been really hurt and you're carrying that hurt in your soul. There's a bitterness your soul and you'd say preacher please pray for me that I'll be like Jesus God bless you ma'am God bless you sir anybody else just slip your hand up and say God bless you sir I see that hand God bless you sir there's somebody that's hurt me deeply there's somebody that's disappointed me deeply there's somebody that's just tearing my heart out and and I I just don't have maybe the hope the 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 the, the attitude of Jesus towards them and and I need to I need to I need to get it right I need to get off my heart. I need to get a clear conscience. I I need to forgive them. Whether they forgive me or not, I need to forgive them. Anybody else? Yes. Anybody else? God's moving now. Don't quench His spirit. Don't rush through this time. Father, thank You for the message. Thank You for Your message, Your first utterance on the cross, a prayer of forgiveness. Lord, thank you that somebody's about to answer that prayer. They're about to get saved. I believe that. Lord, I thank you also that several people that's been holding a grudge or a grudge has been holding them, they're gonna come to this altar and they're just gonna lay it on the altar. Maybe they need to forgive themselves. Maybe they need to forgive you, Lord. They're bitter because of some tragedy in their life. God, whatever it is or whoever it is, dear God, I pray that they'd have the grace give it to you and truly forgive. Ask the Spirit of God to help And <clears throat> Lord, we're going to thank you for this soul to be saved. We're going to thank you, dear God, for those that's going to be released from bitterness. Lord, we thank you that our greatest need is your forgiveness and to forgive like you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.